Beyond Synth 370. This is Beyond Synth Radio. B008.5. You're tuned into the best place for awesome music and great chat. Beyond Synth is next. Hey there, welcome to Beyond Synth. I am Andy, I host this show, and today I am chatting with I Am Bolin, a.k.a. Lydia, and we uh, had a fun chat, and we're going to go to that in just a second. It is very, very hot in my recording studio right now, so I do not want to be here any longer than I need to be to record this intro. So here's the deal. I hope you're all having a lovely week. We got two new patrons this week. So I want to do a special shout out to these cool people. You know, you can support uh, Beyond Synth on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash beyond synth. And these awesome people have just joined the $5 club. Is that still what it's called? I know I renamed some of them a while back. Anyways, the point is, thank you very much to Thomas Ohashi for supporting the show. You're a cool guy, Thomas, and uh, thanks for your support. And keep on being cool. That's the most important part of being a cool guy, is continuing to be a cool guy. And I would also like to thank Skylane Drive. Skylane Drive, thank you for supporting the show. With a name like Skylane Drive, you got to be making music, am I right? Let me check. I'll do a cursory Bandcamp search. There we go, Skylane Drive from New Jersey. Skylane Drive is an American underground synthwave producer hailing from the greater New York City metropolitan area. And then you got a Linktree link here, I'll click that. Nocturnal Breath, out now! Anyway, the point is this. Thank you for supporting the show, okay? I really do appreciate it. It keeps the lights on, although technically I don't want to have the lights on because it'll make this room even warmer than it already is. So look, we are going to go chat with I Am Bolin now, but first we're going to listen to a song. I think I played this like a month ago as the opening song, but I'm going to play it again because uh, I enjoyed it. It's I Am Bolin's cover of the chorus song Breathless and uh, I just enjoyed the cover and I thought it was cool so we're going to listen to that now and then when the song is done I will be chatting with I Am Bolin so this is I Am Bolin with uh, her cover of the chorus song Breathless I can't hold on I'm losing the way 
Gates, well, I am here right now with I Am Bolin, a.k.a. Lydia. Is that correct? That is correct. Hi, thank you for having me. So, what's going on today in the life of Lydia? Uh, it's a good question. Well, it's a Friday, so um, that's always nice. Yeah, I feel like Friday afternoon's kind of becoming the beginning of the weekend. But I've been in the studio this week, uh, which has been really nice, putting some vocals on some tracks. And, and the weather's good in London, which is not always a given. So, you, you know, you've got to take the sunshine where you can get it. So do you have uh, like a studio at your house or do you go someplace or is there other people sort of working on production? Like how does your process work? Yeah, so it depends a little bit. The stuff I've been working on this week, I've been up in Conk Studios, which is in North London. My friend uh, has a room there, amazing guy called Charlie. And the label that I'm with, Aztec, a few of their artists have sent me tracks that they just want some top line on which is not normally what I've done in the past, but um, I've actually kind of enjoyed it because it's a slightly sort of different skill. So yeah, I was just writing some melodies and trying to figure some stuff out and then recording vocals. And then I send it back to the producers. One of them is Canadian actually. And then they say like, oh, we like this bit. And then they kind of chop it up a bit and do what they want with it. And then, yeah, so you do this collaboration like completely apart from one another, which is kind of amazing. Am I going to hear a bunch of uh, I Am Bolin collabs uh, (laughs) shortly in the future? Is that what's supposed to happen? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm letting the cat out of the bag. But yeah, I think there's going to be quite a lot of of feet I Am Bolin coming your way (laughs) in the next months. <laughs> no one ever really settled on the standard for featuring. Sometimes it's F-E-A-T period. Sometimes it's F-T period. I agree. Yeah, it's weird that. And then you're like, I'm always like worried that the word I'm using is the wrong one. But you're right. I think that they, I think, don't think there is a standard one. This is the first time I've ever brought this up on the show. This is a really important issue, I think. Yeah, hope maybe someone in the comments can let us know what the real one is. No, don't worry. No one <laughs> listens to this. So were you always doing music and then sort of shifted into the more like synth pop kind of stuff or like what's your what was the trajectory yes exactly that so yeah i always wanted to do music and i was in like bands and stuff at school and used to sing like (laughs) like covers of dolly parson songs i remember like really passionately singing jolene when i was like 14 (laughs) as if like i truly understood the heartbreak you know (laughs) that's a good song it's such a good song. <laughs> it's such a good song. And then, yeah, I've I, I had a sort of path. Actually, I was listening to La Avenue, the interview you did with him, and it was interesting to hear him speak about, like, the different genres that he's, you know, more than dipped his toe in, like, jumped into. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've done a little bit of that, too. You know, it was a bit sort of folkier at the beginning. And, and then my most recent projects, I Am Berlin, I actually met a really amazing Swedish producer and um, he was like, look, I think we should try and explore putting more vocal because it's quite sort of soft and and it would be interesting to see what it would be like over some more kind of like electronic music and especially over synths. And then that's how it all kind of started really. And I just loved the stuff we, we made together. And then started listening more to Midnight and Annie and yeah, kind of got sent down that road. Wait, so who's this Swedish producer? So he's an amazing guy called Jocka and there's a kind of collective called Family Stockholm. And I've done a, a lot of writing with them and then through him also met another 
a guy called Johannes, who I wrote a lot of the current album Lost in Space with him too. But they've they've got a really cool vibe out there. Like I, I you know, it's very um, well. I mean, it's very musical, as everybody knows. But they're also very relaxed. You know, you get into the studio and everyone's participating, and yeah, I really, I, 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 I love it over there. So I take it you weren't like wearing a futuristic silver corset thing while uh, <laughs> singing Jolene. Is that correct? No, <laughs> yeah, no. That has also been another another part of the of the progression, which has been interesting for me because like people when they meet me, I don't look obviously like I do on my Instagram because I'm not like wandering around and yeah as you say like silver armor all the time (laughs) (laughs) you know probably a good thing I Mm. think I might be arrested on the subway on the tube as we call it but I think a little bit like what you said at the beginning I don't know whether we were recording yet but you know it's a character you know I am Berlin is a character and I think that that's actually quite an interesting aspect of the synth wave synth pop you know world is this idea of like fantasy so I've I've kind of lent into that a bit with the aesthetic as well as the music. Let's face it, sometimes, you know, we can intellectualize these things, but at the end of the day, it is uh, fun to play dress up. Oh, completely. And you feel so, like, you feel powerful. Honestly, I think if anyone's having a bad day, (laughs) pop on a corset. You can't not feel good afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, look, how about we listen to some music and then we'll keep talking. So I want to listen to Limit of Love. This is a cool song. This is this goes back to is it 2019? Is that correct? Do I have my yeah, dates correct? This is 2019. Yeah. All right, well, let's listen to this. This is uh, "Limit of Love" by I Am Bolin. You know that feeling that's not allowed. The one that grows into a monster in the night, just like a fever. A phantom weight I feel so lonely But I'm not a special case We all have our doubts What's it about? Is there a limit of love? Is there a point we give up? If I lose you now I'm sure my heart will stop Is there a
Limit of Love by I Am Bolin, and I am here right now with Lydia, a.k.a. I Am Bolin. So, I like the music video for this one, where you guys had, like, a silver paint pouring down on you. I love the music video for this, too. So this is really cool, because it's a, a, a great friend of mine called B. She's a director, and she also, like, storyboarded the whole idea f- for the song. And I played it to her, and I didn't tell her anything about what my thoughts on it were and then she just came back a few days later and she was like this is what I think the song is about I think it's about a struggle between like two different versions of yourself and that was just not that was not what I was thinking when I was writing it but I just thought that's so cool you know that that a song can mean so many different things to whoever's listening to it and then the dancer in that video is also amazing um she's called Eve and it was just a really, really fun day. That silver ink, though, was unbelievably cold because it, it had to be cold. Otherwise, it's the, it split from the colour that we put in it. <laughs> and so when they were pouring it on my face, even though it was freezing cold water, I couldn't flinch because, you know, I'm supposed to be kind of like a statue. Mm. And it was so difficult. It took, like, all my concentration to be like, don't flinch, don't flinch. <laughs> but, yeah, it was fun. For some of these pictures, too, it looks like you're all painted gold or silver or something. Yes. So that's actually the same makeup artist who's another friend of mine uh, called Emily who did the video. She also did the shoot for the Lost in Space album. For that, actually, she just got some glitter and a sort of slightly kind of sticky, like almost like the consistency of hand sanitizer, <laughs> which we all know now know so well, the consistency of. And yeah, she just scrubbed it all over my body. And it took, I mean, I was taking bits of glitter out of my hairline for days afterwards, but it was worth it. Wait, were you all like sticky and stuff? Like, how did that work? Yeah. And it was also a very hot day of the year. So I was like yeah. trying, I needed to like walk with my arms out like a proper robot (laughs) get it all over the you know all over the rest of the the suit and stuff but yeah it was fun is it moments like that where you're like man i wish i was still singing folk music (laughs) exactly Exactly. i was like yeah folk musicians don't have to do with any of this Just put a feather in your hair and get out a loot. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's my... <laughs> I haven't listened to folk music in a while. Is that what they do? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Just wear like a flowing dress and like get a picture taken in a field and yeah. you're done. <laughs> 
So how did you meet these Swedish producers in the first place? So that was through my manager, Bobby, and he manages uh, a few artists, but then also a few songwriters and producers, a few of whom are Swedish. And so when I met him and he was kind of listening to what I was doing, he came to a show of mine and he was like, I think you should just go to Sweden for a few days and just meet a few people and just see, you know, if it will like inject another kind of energy into what you're doing and yeah he was totally right so you're just game for anything then like so some guy just comes to the show and it's just like you know you should go to sweden and you're just like okay like, is that how that happened that is so funny because i can totally see how that is how this all sounds yeah. I guess I'm, I'm quite a yes person well, hey, when it works out, it's great. Yeah, totally. It's just totally. when you say yes to things like, hey, you should come and uh, jump off this cliff or whatever, and then it's like, ah, shit. Yeah, yeah, that was an error. <laughs> no, I think hopefully I'm getting more discerning the older I get. We'll see. Time will tell. Well, it's worked out, right? Because you've made some cool music, so. Yeah, totally, totally. No, no. And I've really, um, yeah, I'm, you know, really loving the stuff I'm doing now, so. It's it's all it's all come to a good place. I mean, I know you said earlier that you're sort of doing these top lines, and that's obviously like working with people over the internet and stuff. But I mean, for the other songs that you've done, were you spending much time like over there, or were you still doing a lot of over the internet work? Yeah, so a, a bit of both. I'm definitely spending a bit of time there, which has been really nice. Yeah, I have a friend who lives there who lets me stay in her flat, so that's really nice. And I don't know. Um, whether it's it must be like this in the north of Canada but it's so different to go to Stockholm in the summer than it is to go in the winter the first couple of trips I went there to do some writing and recording and stuff were all in the summer and then I went once in the end of November mm. <laughs> and I was like wow this is I mean a totally different experience it's so cold <laughs> there's like no sunlight but it had an interesting influence on 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 the type of songs right. i was writing so yeah i wonder whether that kind of extremity might be something to do with why they have such great songwriters there i don't know i never actually thought about it because there is a lot of like especially electronic music producers that come out of there and uh i don't know I've never actually given the thought that it had anything to do with the weather. I'll ask my next Swedish guest. Yeah, see, they'll probably be like, no, that's nonsense, but it... <laughs> well, it <laughs> might be, but you know, like, you know, there is something to, if there is this this big chunk of the year where you're like probably going to be inside, that you're going to be playing more with the toys you have, like inside as opposed to going outside and... But then what, what musical instruments do you really play outside? Yeah, it's difficult. Well, this is where we go back to the folk music, where you have the guitar in the field. That's true. <laughs> We've come full circle. You know what? No, there is something to this. I bet you there's some countries where there's you're more likely to be playing like bluegrass or whatever if you can actually sit outside by a tree and like look at a goat or something. Like yeah, that definitely. music's going to come to you. I, I, I feel like reggae, you know, that makes sense that that comes from a hot country, you know? There's nothing, like, communal about it and the, like, half time of it and I don't know, yeah. There might, you know what, I'll look into this, 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 this is the working thesis right now and then we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, our dissertation on climate and music. Yeah, that's what this has all been about. The whole reason to have you on the show today was to help me write a paper. Yeah. The bottom line is this. We should uh, we should listen to another track. So we're going to move forward in time here to the year 2020. Ooh, far in the future. And there was this track you did called Too Much, which is cool. It's kind of like a dreamy sort of vibe, which I dug, and I want to listen to it. So this is uh, Too Much by I Am Bolin. 
you said to me Got stuck in my head and it keeps spinning I just can't shake it I'm not used to people looking at me like you do I'm not used to it Just one more drink cause I don't wanna think about nothing Don't wanna know anything, I just wanna keep dancing Yeah, I'm so out of my mind and the room won't stop spinning Somebody tell me how was I Am Bolin with the track Too Much. And I'm here right now with Lydia, who is I Am Bolin. We're talking about Dolly Parton. We're talking about Swedish producers. What else were we talking about? Conk Studios. What the hell is that? Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. You did. I think uh, Charlie's going to kill me if I get this wrong, but I think it's where the Kinks recorded their albums. I think that's the sort of heritage of it. So obviously that was a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) But they've got like, they've got a lot of like old sound desks Mm. and stuff. Like I'm not sure if it's a Neve or not, but like, you know, they've got a lot of like cool kind of old 70s equipment, which then like, you know, now just isn't, you know, it's a bit of a pity, I guess. Like isn't really used in the same way anymore, the way that we all make music. But yeah, my friend Charlie has a room like upstairs above the main studio. So that's where I record some vocals with him. So it sounds like you've got lots of friends. Are you a likable person? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I guess, uh, well, I hope so. I hope so. I suppose, I suppose, um, yeah, I guess the people that I, the people that I work with, Sorry. tend to become my friends you know because mm. if you're spending a bit you know if you're spending quite a lot of time in the studio with someone also on a more serious note i guess 
if you're if you're writing with someone, it is important that you get to know them because I, I think you can't. I think it's it's more difficult to, especially if it's like a song for my album. You want to have a bit of chemistry, you know, with the person in the room, and and if it's you know a song about something that you care about or something that's happened in your life, like I think it, it's difficult to get to the end of those sessions and not feel like you've become a friend with someone when you were making different genres of music did you change like what you sang about or what you wrote about or is that sort of stayed kind of the same it's just sort of the music around it has changed like oh yeah that's a great question i think the thing which has changed what i'm writing about is not so much the genre but like just getting older i think like i definitely had a moment in my late 20s and i was like I've just written songs about me. Hmm, maybe I should try, you know, like consciously I was like, I should try and write songs about stuff that I care about. So Lost in Space, you know, this album is definitely, I've written some songs that are, you know, more about issues that I care about or like observations about the world around me. Like I've tried to do a slightly less navel gazing, I guess, in terms of the lyrics and stuff. So when you're not making the music then what's what goes on in your life i do quite a lot of teaching basically like tutoring for students that are like struggling at school a bit so either maybe they have like learning difficulties or they're just like lack of motivation or whatever so then i turn up after school and obviously they're like not thrilled that they're doing another hour of, <laughs> of whatever subject you know, <laughs> but my job is to like yeah encourage them and like figure out you know because obviously lots of these teachers do an unbelievable job you know and often in like quite bad circumstances but you know in big classes sometimes some students need a little extra sort of help so yeah that's what i do outside of music Mm, should hire you to tutor my son he does not care about school at all oh really okay well (laughs) my way because you know i'm i'm pretty good at motivating people so (laughs) (laughs) my son my son's hilarious. He like they just had their last day of school and he brought home this giant binder of all of his notes that were collected from the year and like he just he cares so little that it's almost funny. Like I know as a parent that meant to be like, "Oh no, you know, we got to fix this issue or whatever." But it's just like when he doesn't care about something, he puts in no effort. And some of his notes like they made me laugh genuinely because he just <laughs> he would just write these stupid sarcastic answers. <laughs> you know, like it would just be like, "How do you know that this isn't that?" It was like, "Cuz they're not the same" or whatever. Like he would just write these little short stupid things and like they would make me laugh as I read them and I'm like oh man my daughter's completely different like their report cards were very different looking things that's so funny yeah it's interesting I think um it it reminds me a bit of those you know on on Instagram you know they have those tests and stuff where it says like you know write five words you know how to spell and then the, the child will write like know how to spell right yeah 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 <laughs> and you're like good for you man yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're thinking outside the box there i like it well it's hard as well because i know there's a lot of things that i didn't enjoy but i still feel like i put forth more of an effort but again you know when you can you when you know when the school day's over you get to go home and just play Fortnite for like 10 hours i could see being not that interested i'm just hoping one of these days he finds something that like captures his imagination but I might be like a bad parent because I also just let them stay home on like, they'll have like play days, you know, where they do like sports and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I never liked those either. 
Like when I was a kid, I'm like, fuck these days. You know what I mean? Where it's just like today's fucking sports day, and they divide every like the school into like different squads or teams, and you. And so uh, he doesn't want to do those days, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, I think good for you because look, those those days are for the kids that really enjoy doing that. Yes, but like plenty of children don't, and also there's not that many times in your adult life when someone's like, hey, let's join a team and play football. You know, like yeah, I mean, and the thing is like. If you want to, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, all the power to the people who, like, you know, I, I have friends who are in adult sports leagues, and I'm like, that's cool, you know? But, I mean, I prefer to spend my time sitting in front of a computer hunched as I fuck my back up. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> But if uh, you're tutoring, you must be a very patient person, because I could never do that. Yes, and I think that, that it, it, you've, you've hit on it. I think that patience, and, of course, nobody is, like, always patient Mm. but that is above and beyond everything else you know the most important thing because you always have to remember that you're the grown-up in the room you know even if you want to be like why aren't you listening (laughs) you just you just can't you know you just have to like okay find another way of explaining it yeah no patience is key for sure yeah that's a skill i do not have so uh, when other people have certain skills that I lack, I'm always happy for that. Like, I'm not upset about it. I'm like, all right, man, you go ahead and do it. Because, like, I can't. And there's lots of uh, things like that in the world. That's why I don't really complain about a, a lot of things like that. Because uh, I feel like if I don't have the skill set, I have no right to be complaining about things. Totally. And we're so, I mean, we're so lucky that people do have different skills. I mean, can you imagine if everybody wanted to do the same thing? <laughs> yeah, it'd be a total nightmare. And, yeah, and there's so many jobs like, oh, my God, I would be such a bad accountant. I'd be such a bad lawyer. I'd be such a bad politician. Like, I'd rather die than do any of those jobs. So, you know, thank goodness there are people out there that can and that want to. Yeah, that's true. Because I don't even know that I'm necessarily good at the things I do. So I'm trying to think if there is something else. You know what? I actually don't mind doing mindless jobs if I can listen to music. Oh, I agree. I don't want to be the manager of something. I don't want, like, I want to fucking stack boxes. I've said this all my life. I'll stack boxes if I can have my iPod and listen to podcasts and music. I would rather do that than actually do a job where someone expected me to think creatively for their thing because I would feel like I was like wasting my energy or something. Yeah, no, I agree. I think as long as you can listen to music, anything is like, I feel like I could like garden or something, you know, like I could just pull up weeds all day long as yeah. long as I was able to listen to a bit of music. <laughs> I agree with you. See, this is what I like. I like when people agree with me. Look. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> let's uh, listen to another song. I want to listen to this one. It's called Girl Like Me by I Am Bolin.
And that was I Am Bolin with the track Girl Like Me. And I'm here right now with Lydia. We're talking about tutoring and uh, listening to music and doing odd jobs. Wait, so is that your that your actual like profession? Like you are a professional tutor? Or are you the kind of person who's doing a whole bunch of odd jobs? Yeah, I mean, I yes. I guess so. I, I, music is definitely the primary thing that I do. My manager certainly would not want me to... to be doing more tutoring than I am <laughs> than I am music yeah and I used to work as a nanny for a long time as well that is a really that's another that's another tough job that requires patience and a waitress which I actually kind of loved uh, also London's such a good city for that because there are so many fun places to work but I think a lot of musicians like lots of my friends who are musicians you know there's either it's like teaching music or like teaching or like engineering or you know yeah, most people have have other you know other odd jobs, as you say, that go around the music that they make. Yeah, because I wonder. I guess it depends on what your process is. So when you make music. Because, I mean, you're, I know you're, you're sort of working with these producers and stuff. So, like, what exactly do you do? Like, you're writing the songs, coming up with melodies and stuff. Do you play tunes and things? Or are you sort of, like, deferring to the producer to sort of, like, lay down something that you laid something on top of? Or do you actually come to them with a song that you've, like, written on guitar and they, like, synthify it? Like, what do you... Yeah, it's a good... So, I mean, my preferred method is, like, going in the room with someone. I'll have a little idea of how I want it to shape up and then we'll kind of mold it into something together. So that's how I most like to work. But people have their own kind of process and like definitely you can get into a room with someone, especially if you don't know them very well. And like you do play a little bit of a dance with them of like them trying to kind of push on you the way that they like to work. And then you try to push back, (laughs) try to push back a little bit, which is why like if you find someone that you really click with, you know, that synergy is really amazing and kind of got to hold hold on to it. But yeah, having figured a little something out, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a crap guitar player, but I, you know, good, good enough to play a little pop song and I played the piano, you know, for a long time at school. So, yeah, I'll come with an idea and then we'll expand from there. And, and actually, quite often, by the end of the song, it can be quite far away from where you started. But it's good to have that like kernel of an idea at the beginning um, to build on. I mean, obviously, the dream is for everybody to, you know, do their art full time. But I think there's certain aspects, especially in music, where I can understand, like, when someone's, like, just a pure, like, the, they're the production part of things, why, you know, they can sit in a studio for, like, 12 hours because it's a lot of, like, switching knobs and, like, adjusting levers and faders and, like, yeah. playing with a synth sound for, like, 40 hours. But then when you're, like, the principal songwriter, I think at that point it's actually maybe good to have, like, outside jobs or outside experiences because you want you want inspiration for the actual, you know, heart of the song, which is like, you know, like the, the lyrics and the melody and stuff. And I don't know, I don't know if, if, if that changes something when people become professional songwriters and they just sit in the house all day, like just humming tunes and writing lyrics. Like, I, f- I don't know. I feel like life experience and going out is like part of what where the inspiration would come from. I couldn't agree with you more. I just so, so, so agree with that. And I think it's interesting because... If you look at the trajectory of some artists who become very, very famous, like sometimes the stuff that they are writing at the beginning of their careers, in terms of the content, 
it is more varied and it's also way more relatable because you know there's nothing that like puts you in a box outside of the real world more than being famous right and so then it's like well, yeah as you say like what are you writing about like what normal experiences are you having that you can draw on so I think it's really important and actually sometimes if I feel a bit like stuck for inspiration for stuff like the best thing to do is just to put everything down go to a coffee shop like eavesdrop on a conversation you know <laughs> next door or whatever and like oh okay I'm invigorated again you know because um, there's so much going on uh, around us but yeah I think it is a very different skill set and I I just could not admire more you know what the producers I work with do because as you say like they can do like eight hours like trying to make a chorus sound a certain way and like that to me is just a miracle at that point you know you have to be like a dedicated nerd because it just becomes so technical like just the idea of just sitting in front of the screen and just like slowly adjusting things like that's again that's another skill set because i go crazy after a while sometimes i don't like when i have too many choices like if i'm making like a video and i film too many takes of a shot it actually hinders me because you you know if you record a scene like 10 times three of them might be good and now you've got this thing of going like well I've got to choose between three things that are good yeah and then it's hard so sometimes I like to limit the choices just because then it makes it easier to just like move forward totally and actually interestingly there's a good there's a good parallel there with melodies because I used to be like so suspicious of like the first melody I came up with because I'd be like well it's got to be crap because it's the first one and so then you'd like work really hard to try and like push it and change it and play around with it and make it interesting or whatever and then I kind of let go of that a while ago where I was like yeah you've got to do that because of course you can't just be like oh the first thing I did is going to be fine Mm. but so often you end up circling back to that original one and again it's just that thing of like if there's too much you're like oh, I don't even know what sounds good anymore you yeah. know <laughs> um, and so yeah it's good to just like trust your instincts sometimes I guess well also I think it's just to move forward on some sort of creative project you have to do something and that's what my biggest block is just sometimes I just don't get the ball rolling on things where I'll, I'll have a lot of ideas like floating in my head but I never write anything down and then I'm like why have I not made this thing yet and it's because you just have to you actually have to do it Ugh. Yeah. That first thing might be good, but it's also good because it's something that you actually like said out loud or sang or wrote, and then now you can at least work from that. Totally. It's that. What's that thing? You know that you just have to do the first step or whatever, and then and then you're on your way. But that's the hardest one. It's a parable, right? The giant step is first taken with a little step. No, hold on. What? What? <laughs> yeah, something like that. That's what I was thinking of too. But then I like got halfway through saying it, and I was like, I'm not going to say this right. So I'm just going to paraphrase it. <laughs> hold on, hold on here. Let's uh, let's the ask. journey of a, a journey starts with a step or something. <laughs> something what like is that. the parable of a journey starts with one step? Okay, let's see if the AI can solve this for me. Good old AI. Ah, here we are. The phrase you mentioned, a journey starts with a single step, is actually paraphrasing of a famous quote from the ancient Chinese philosopher. Oh, a journey starts with a single step. Okay, that's the phrase. Sorry. We were very close. Yeah, yeah, because I said a journey starts with one step, and it's a journey starts with a single step. So there you go. We learned a lot today. We really did. We really did. That also broke the AI because now it's telling me there's a network error. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Ah, here we are. The phrase, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. That sounds familiar. So there you go. I don't know what... (laughs) (laughs) Has <laughs> this helped you? <laughs> I don't know if it's helped me. Yeah, I feel like we're all going to spring into the weekend now, taking that first step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Uh, let's step into some more music and uh, and listen to this. I, this is a song I dig. It's called Tiny Love. Uh, so let's uh, listen to that. This is uh, Tiny Love by I Am Bolin. was I Am Bolin with Tiny Love. And I'm here right now with Lydia, a.k.a. I Am Bolin, 
And uh, why why did you call yourself I Am Bolin? Oh, I thought you would never ask. <laughs> so um, <laughs> pretend I didn't. It's okay. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm being silly. So um, I was obsessed when I was growing up with with history generally, but particularly this period in British history. There we had this king called Henry VIII, and he was a complete tyrant, and he had six wives, and he chopped the heads off a few of them. He was a very brutal man. And the second one was this woman, this queen called Anne Boleyn. And she has this like, I mean, you couldn't make it up this story. It's just completely crazy. And I just was fascinated by her. And I think it's because so much of that part of history, it's like men making all the decisions and the women are just less than a footnote, you know, they're just kind of completely unconsequential, really. And then suddenly this Anne walks into the picture and she just changes everything. Like, he creates a whole new church off the back of, 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 of wanting to marry her. So, yeah, I was fascinated by her. So then when I was thinking about a stage name, I wanted to just be Bolin, actually, but there's already another artist who's Bolin. So... I'd already got the Instagram and the Twitter handle that said, I am Berlin. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just take those two bits at the beginning and make that the whole thing. Nice. Well, I, <laughs> I have a very specific memory that is something that you will not resonate with at all. But there was this horrible cartoon in the 80s called Dennis the Menace, based off the old Dennis the Menace franchise. And it, it, the cartoon was so cheap, I feel like they only made like 10 episodes and they just kept repeating them. <laughs> and in one of the episodes, Dennis and his buddy, I don't remember the character's name, they go to England and they go to some castle that's haunted by the ghost of Anne Boleyn. Mm. And she's like sort of a ghost that doesn't have a head that's like flying around. <laughs> But the reason why it just sticks in my head was there was an advertisement for this show that they showed like at every commercial break. So it was a point where if, like any of my friends who watched cartoons at the same time, we saw this commercial like a zillion times where it would show a clip from this episode of Dennis the Menace. And there's the line where the kid turns around and sees the ghost. He's like, it's the ghost of Anne Boleyn. <laughs> and I've, I've heard that sentence like it's the ghost of like yeah. a million times in this stupid kid's voice. Yeah. And that's uh, that has nothing to do with anything you just said. I just thought you'd like to know. I love that. So do you feel like, was that quite traumatizing? Are you now like, you never ever want to hear of Anne Boleyn Well, it's just whenever I hear the name Anne Boleyn, I will forever hear, it's the ghost of Anne Boleyn. It's just, it's so so annoying. I'm going to have to find that. I should put it on my Instagram. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll find you the clip. I think it is actually on YouTube. Like the cartoon was horrible. There's this period of time. There's all, all the cartoons from our childhoods that, like, people remember and, you know, are remembered very fondly. You know, like, oh, like, Transformers and G.I. Joe and Ghostbusters and, like, the Disney ones, like, Gummy Bears and DuckTales. But then there was all these other shitty cartoons that we don't talk about where they made them for one year and then they got canceled. But then they would just they would just loop them. Because, you know, when there was like, you know, nowadays there's so much content that they're putting out all these cheap ass shows all the time. And every time you you turn on Netflix or whatever, there's always some new thing you haven't seen. But back in the day, it, it wasn't the case. And so they would just rerun things. And some shows they would just rerun. And I'm like, why are you showing this? Like, nobody likes this show. But like, sorry, I don't know. I'm venting now. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, no, but, I think, but there is so much content. And I think... 
you're right, like a lot of it now, although it is different, like they don't rerun the same stuff. But I think to try and make sure that they're constantly giving you new things, my God, they put crap out. Yes. I watched the first half of something a couple of days ago, which was just so bad. I just, I thought like, how many people must have okayed this before it got on television? And like, what were they thinking? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, things... Uh, I don't want to say things were better, but definitely, like, it's tough. It's good in a way because then lots of different creative people can sort of have some sort of vision. Yeah. And it's not all, it's not all, you know, done by a smaller set of people. At the same time, the level of quality is so low, even for some projects now that are like the higher profile ones. Like, I, I tried to watch the first episode of that show with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, there's a new show. It's like an action show. Oh, yeah. And. It was bad. Like, I was, like, really surprised Mm. at how poorly the action was directed. Mm. And I know, obviously, it's a joke, you know, like, they're old men and, like, they're still trying to be action heroes. But this one was, like, really bad. Like, it was really obvious when he was played by a stunt double. And then whenever it's a shot of him actually doing the punching, he's, like, moving so slow because he's old. You know, obviously, there's a big crowd of people who, like, you know, they're they're always excited to see their their 80s action heroes, you know, in stuff. Yeah. And we don't want to acknowledge that they're too old to be doing it yeah. and it's always like well that's that's the that's the trite thing to say oh look at these old men they can't be action heroes anymore but holy christ they can't be action heroes anymore yeah and it's like <laughs> it's hard to watch <laughs> even and i love these people but it is so hard to watch oh yeah i've i've not heard good stuff about that and i think even like even some of the marvel movies now you're like guys what is going on? What? <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, like, the quality of them in terms of, the, you know, all the CGI and they get these great actors and stuff. But, like, I mean, they're a little bit loose on the ground on the narrative to begin with. But they just really dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's disappointing yeah. because, like, I like superhero movies, but I think it is also possible that they just reach that saturation point because mm-hmm. I always was denying it. Obviously, if you're the kind of person who's like a hater and you want to hate on things, it's been very easy to be like, oh, there's too many superhero movies. And I would be like fighting that, like, hey, man, like, they're fun movies. Yeah, me too. I enjoy them. But deep down, I'm thinking, you know, with especially with the Marvel movies, even around as it was like approaching like Endgame, I think in my heart I was like, I think I'm done with these. Yeah. And I, I was pretending that I wasn't. Yeah. But even Endgame, I was kind of like, uh, it was fine. If it ended here and it was just like a 20 movie saga, I think like that was a, a pretty cool feat of Hollywood to have like an interconnected universe of like so many movies. But now it's overwhelming. Yeah. And they're not... Like you say, they're. I don't think they're written very well. Yes. I'm getting bored of being angry at the screen at the decisions characters are making or why when the movie ends where you're just like, how is this a resolution? Like, yes. how is the movie building to this resolution? Like, you just... Yes. In, you invent <laughs> yes. this weird thing at the last minute that, like, reverses everything and it's sort of... Like, th- this happens in so many of the movies now where, like, character things will just be glossed over. Like, I started watching Ant-Man in the quantum mania or whatever and like in the opening moments it's like his ant-man's daughter who's like 16 or something is like such a genius that she makes this device that transmits to the quantum realm or and but it's just like that's like the 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 instigation of like the plot and it's like whoa what yeah hold on here like like you lost me at that moment where i'm like wait so this kid is like this genius that can make a device that goes into like another realm like 
I was at that moment I'm like well this is dumb and then that was like the whole thrust of the movie and then they just sort of turn it on without any safety checks and then they just get sucked into the the realm and I'm just like what like that's that's the story yeah, yeah, like yeah. you exactly you're like you must have been able to come up with something a bit better yeah that. you know that it feels like well actually apropos the first melody thing right it feels like they came up with the first melody and they were like well okay well we'll just stick with that then you know well, i think they're gonna have to rethink a lot of things i mean as we're recording this you know a bunch of these high profile superhero movies have like been kind of failing at the box office and so yes yeah and they've been canceling stuff yeah too you know they're like they're really internally acknowledging even like you can't just there's only so many crap movies you can put out in yeah. a row before everyone just goes yeah i think my personal take is I think the next phase like there's got to be a novelty that brings people to like be excited to go watch a movie in the theaters and I think the idea of these connected universes is done because I'm going to be honest I find it confusing and it's annoying because I like when movies kind of stand alone like I like sequels but I think 40 sequels is too many yes exactly you shouldn't have to because also then yeah I agree you're confused because you're like and then you're like I shouldn't have to re-watch seven movies just to understand what's happening in this movie yes you should (laughs) that's the thing that I find frustrating and I think the future should be they they gotta do like one-off movies with like novelty casting and I think that would be exciting enough to get people in theaters like if you get like a big actor or actress in like a particular role and go they only signed up for one movie because that's what happened with Joker like that that Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix it was like this weird novelty project where it's like oh that's weird that they're making this and I think that got people really excited and so I would like to see movies where it's like what if you get that one actor who would make a really cool Batman but they don't want to sign up for 12 movies and so you just do some one-off batman movie with this actor and maybe make it kind of stylized and interesting so it doesn't look like it belongs in any part of any connected universe or whatever and it's just some one-off thing fucking batman versus the fucking man bat or whatever and it's like it's one movie and that's it and i think projects like that would probably be more exciting for people to know that you're just going to see some weird one-off thing yeah I completely agree. And I think also the cool thing about Joker, that one, was that they, they made that movie and they were writing that movie as if they had kind of forgotten that it was a superhero movie, you know? As if it was like they were, they were trying to write a regular movie. And I think there was something really compelling about that because it meant that the story and the narrative was like more believable quote-unquote even though you're dealing with something that's not believable yeah 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 and i think yeah i think that's always cool when you see that and then it just kind of it hits home in a, in a slightly different way rather than them being like oh well this is all nonsense anyway so we'll, we'll just have a really weak storyline because who cares you know yeah and um, that's the problem is it's, it's the who cares part that really bugs me because like i just have not been compelled by the stories of the past few things i've watched like the most compelling things i've watched lately were like certain tv shows and it sucks because like i like superheroes i like sci-fi i like all this stuff but it sucks when the things you like are disappointing but i feel like yeah Totally. Maybe that's part of growing up is like I, I, I made this pledge a while ago. Like maybe I should just be watching like adult dramas, you know, like <laughs> watching the TV shows that are for my actual age demographic. But I don't want to do that either because I know there's people who like, oh, it's like superheroes and this stuff is for babies. And I'm like, well, I, I still like that stuff. Like it's fun. Oh, no. And also, I think that it's and the reason it's so popular is, and you know, and it's the same with sci-fi is 
it speaks to a part of us that is seeking something a bit bigger, right? Is like likes the idea of something more powerful but flawed. You know, it's like a magnified reflection mm. of us, right? I completely understand why it's so compelling. And I think that a lot more people, even than will admit, like enjoy it. You know, like adult people, quote unquote, you know, I think that everyone, everyone loves it, I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've always felt that way. Like, I think there's some people who just have to put on this air of like sophistication. Oh, you know, like I wouldn't be caught dead watching, you know, these sorts of things. And it's like, dude, like you can't be watching weird relationship dramas and cancer movies and stuff just because you're an adult. Oh. I mean, like, come on, it's fun to watch people get punched through walls and... <laughs> totally! Also, like, Blue Valentine or whatever, I mean, they, what an amazing performance by everybody, but oh my god, I mean, you just want to throw yourself yeah, off yeah, a bridge yeah. after it. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, so depressing. <laughs> no, see, like, who wants real life? Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like, you know, give me, give me a spaceship yeah. anytime. <laughs> Um, well, look, let's listen to another song. All right. I want to listen to, I think this is my favorite one. Ooh. My favorite I Am Boleyn song, which is Another Me. I just, I love this song and I want to listen to it because it's cool. This is Another Me by I Am Boleyn.
that was I Am Bolin with Another Me. And I am here right now with I Am Bolin, Lydia. We're talking about movies and science fiction and, uh, and Anne Bolin. What else are we talking about? Henry VIII, eavesdropping on conversations for lyric ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's my top tip. Just keep your ears open. Yeah. People say the craziest things to one another. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good inspiration. You come to the studio and it's like, I've written this new song. It's called, I think Stacy stole $20 from my wallet. Yeah, literally. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why does my boyfriend flick his contact lenses on the floor in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> the number one song from. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on now then? What's uh, what's happening currently? You working on some new things? What's happening? Yeah, so my album Lost in Space uh, is going to come out early next year, January next year. So that's really exciting. And that will have a few of the tracks that have come out so far this year, like Girl Like Me, which we've listened to, and Tiny Love, which we've listened to. And then a couple more songs which are coming out in the autumn. And I also have a little tour around the UK. We're going to do some shows in September in London and Brighton and Sheffield. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I love playing live. And then, yeah, I've got finishing off some more tracks over the summer. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll head back out to Sweden again um, October time. And so, yeah, so it's, it's busy. It's good. Got a lot of stuff to look forward to. So what's your live setup? So it's me and then uh, Andy, who um, is a great friend. <laughs> <laughs> who I've worked with for a long time, who plays the keys. And then George, who plays a live drum kit, but he also has an SPD. So it's cool because obviously, you know, my music is very electronic, so, and there's like no organic instrumentation on it. But we having that, we found having the live drums for the live show is actually really cool and adds a sort of element a great a kind of driving element we're able to play around most importantly with the dynamic a little bit more you know because we can ease off at the beginning and then you know really be a bit more punchy in the choruses and stuff so yeah so it's the three of us wait so then where do where do andy and george come from wow so andy i've known for a long time and he is an amazing guy we've written some tracks together actually there's a song called colors on um lost in space that i I wrote with him and yeah we've known each other for I can't even remember how we met each other but yeah he's an amazing musician and originally a strings player actually he plays the violin like he's like nuts but he can also play the guitar and the piano and he's, he's great and then George I uh, yeah met through him as well years ago um, and he's a really great drummer um, plays with lots of cool bands there's a um, really great woman called Japanese House over here in the UK he plays with her and um, yeah so we've been been together for a while now it's really nice because you're working with these other producers to like make the song so like how does it work to transfer those for the the live setup yeah so then we get so then we get the stems then we'll go into the rehearsal room and that's when we'll figure out like okay you know obviously for the live set quite a few of the stems you know you don't need or like we can recreate in a like live way you know either on the keys or with the drums and then we'll keep like a few of the bvs and stuff uh, especially if they're like in the mid eight and stuff and add some atmospheric things and so yeah we'll, we'll just spend a few days like fiddling around with 
how much of the kind of track we want and like and then how much we're going to take out until we get something that we think sounds obviously very similar to the songs but like you know slightly like tweaked slightly differently for the live setup so where do you practice oh in a really nice uh, cool studio actually it's in north london it's called panic room studios and um yeah, it's on an old industrial estate and they have a they have a Nando's nearby, so that's very important for our lunch break. We've been going there for a few years. It's uh it's great. Nando's. This is some British franchise. Yes, it's chicken. It's like spicy chicken. If you come it's <laughs> it's not it's like Hmm. I don't want to say it's like McDonald's. Like it's, be- it's much better than that, and it's like healthier than that. But they're like quite a few of them, and you can choose the level of spice you want on your chicken, <laughs> and then you've got like different sides and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, love a Nando's. Yeah. Tell me more about this Nando's. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those. Um, I actually don't even know whether it's originally British or not. But yeah, they're everywhere now, and people will like have. The, you know, I, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm quite bad with spice, so I go for the, the like lowest level, most like boring one. But Andy loves a bit of spice, so he goes for the really, the really, the really fiery one. <laughs> it's a, it's a whole thing. If and when you ever come to London, you got to go and have a Nando's. Mm. What about George? What's his? Uh... Oh, he's kind of more in the middle. I think yeah. he's he's more moderate. I'm quite boring um, <laughs> when it comes to spice. I think it's my my Welsh heritage like just all about the about the potatoes really Mm. just nice like boring (laughs) hey man you can spice up potatoes that's true it's possible that is true that's a good point i should have clarified that i'm not (laughs) talking about the bombing that's the that's the best point i've made today yeah no you've made many good (laughs) ones i'm talking about the like baked potato with some like baked beans and some cheddar cheese on it situation that's where I'm at in terms of my flavors. Not very adventurous. I'm going to ask a serious music question now. <laughs> what are your influences? When I was growing up, uh, I loved, I remember my dad used to listen a lot to Van Morrison. So I loved, I mean, more like from a lyric perspective, you know, he's such a great storyteller. And then I remember the first time I listened to video games by Lana Del Rey, I was like, what is this? This is magic. And I think that there's something about that vocal, that like quite soft vocal um, over a kind of more, not quite chaotic, but like bombastic background, especially in that first album, you know, she's got a lot of tom drums and stuff, which I really liked. And then when I started listening more to the synthwave stuff, I mean, I love the Midnight, and uh, there's a there's a LA group called All the Damn Vampires. They have some really great songs too, and I like that uh, Annie album as well. So yeah, quite eclectic, I guess. And then my all-time hero, which I think is true for lots of people, in fairness, is Stevie Nicks. I'm a big, big Stevie Nicks fan. I just love the way she performs. I like how her voice sounds. I love the songs that they've written, Fleetwood Mac. So, yeah, big fan of hers. What's your favorite song? Oh, Landslide. That is 
my favorite. Once I got into like the synthwave scene, I haven't listened to a lot of like what I consider mainstream music in a long time because I just get sent so much stuff now that's like just all, you know, in and around the synthwave scene. And so sometimes I have to go back and actually listen to my old playlist and go like, what did I used to listen to? It's like, oh yeah, like I used to listen to all this like Radiohead and Depeche Mode. And- Oof, yeah, love Radiohead. There's a period of time in my life where I really listened to that music a lot. And then now, you know, in the past like 10 years of doing this show, it's been mostly just synthwave. It's like, that's, and, and the music sort of around the, the scene as well. Yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I, yeah, I, I also go through like phase, I mean, not as long as 10 years in fairness, but I go through phases of like listening to certain, I think it's also like moods and stuff as well. Sometimes like first thing in the morning, I feel like I need to listen to like, a real live guitar you know mm-hmm. and then like as the day goes on like especially if you're driving or something then you're like okay give me the electronic music you know <laughs> so i think it, yeah i think it kind of depends yeah that's true it is i uh I feel like that's the way I want to categorize my my playlists because I've got too many songs. Sometimes I find it difficult to, like how to categorize them because I can when I do like oh synth pop, but then there's so many different emotions, right? So like and there's some synth pop that's like kind of, you know, melancholy and then there's the other stuff that's like the energizing, you know, exciting stuff. And so then I started thinking about possibly, you know, organizing everything by mood. I think that's so clever because sometimes you can listen to a playlist and when you made the playlist, all the songs worked really well together. And then you'll listen to it in a certain mood or you'll like need something from it. And then there'll be this song that comes on and you're like, oh God, no, not right now. Like, yeah. this is just not what I need, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's really clever to do it by mood. For sure. But then it's always hard to, this is my, this is what, again, when I, uh, you know, don't take that first step forward for the, the journey of a thousand steps is where I will in, intellectualize in my head, what are the different moods? Because then there's like combination moods where it's like, I'm in sort of a, a melancholy mood, but with a, it with hopeful optimism. And then like, <laughs> do I, do I pull this song in, you know, or you want a song that's kind of got sad lyrics, but then ultimately it's a happy song because it's about yeah. redemption or what, you know what I mean? And then it's like, then I yeah, yeah, end up doing nothing. You can definitely get very into the detail. The place you are too, I think like synth wave music is great for driving. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely like a journeying aspect. I have a few like drive playlists, you know. Yes. Um, but then to your point, there's a difference between like, driving the kids to school and like driving alone at night you know like they're very different vibes yeah 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 that is true actually i think that's been one of the trickiest parts is for certain artists to do live shows which is why obviously like the synth pop stuff and the vocals uh it works so much better for taking your your act live because some synthwave music i really like it but it is essentially like score music like movie score music like it sort of it punctuates things that are going on but it's not necessarily music that you want to like go to a club and watch somebody perform it's the music that's on in the background that makes the atmosphere cool but then when you go see a performance you kind of want to see like a show you want to see people singing and people you know 
Totally, totally. For me, the live aspect is a really is a big part of what I do. But for a lot of synthwave musicians, I think it's like not it's a really not a big part at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they like it, they will never do it. Yes, and it's tough because I mean, like I, I obviously I'm happy for them too, and like I like when people put on live things, but it is tricky, right? It's a tricky genre. If you're making specifically synthwave, then it's it's sort of tough. <laughs> it's a tough one live. Yeah, agreed. But look, listen. We've been talking for a while. Um, how about we listen to Driving in the Dark and then maybe we can uh, wind things down. Is that cool? That sounds perfect. Thank you. So let's do that. This is Driving in the Dark by I Am Bolin.
And that was I Am Bolin with Driving in the Dark. And I have been chatting with I Am Bolin, a.k.a. Lydia. We're talking about driving in the dark while listening to cool music and putting on shows with Andy and George and eating spicy chicken, Swedish producers, Bobby the manager. Have I missed anything? Oh, yeah, Bobby the manager. We love Bobby the manager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's great. He's a great cheerleader. That's exactly what you exactly what you want. I apologize. I feel like I'm, I'm like congested today. We've been having like wildfires in my country and it's made like the air quality bad. So like there's like certain days where everything's fine. And then there's some days where like the air smells like burnt plastic and you can't breathe properly. So I know I'm going to edit this out so the audience won't hear it. But like if you heard me like blowing my nose in the background, it's just because no, I've been like... No, 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 no. Okay, good, I'm, I'm sorry that that's happening. That's so, that's so um, alarming. I bought myself an air purifier. Oh, wow. Like a little cheap fucking $60 one off Amazon, so I don't even know if it's <laughs> going to do anything. But uh, it's an exciting world we're living in now, eh? Like, there's all these sort of adjustments we have to make that are like, oh, I guess this is... Uh a thing now just like in the summer there's just gonna be like a few weeks where like the air is full of smoke and we have to like stay inside like cool that's yeah, fun it's so wild isn't it it's 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 pretty dystopian actually you know there's it's just definitely like a bit of a sci-fi backdrop i mean those the, the pictures of new york you know kind of bathed in like this yellow orangey glow of like smog yes hmm. the coolest one i saw i mean cool (laughs) i mean cool in quotes was uh several years ago when that happened on uh like the san francisco side in the states and they had those wildfires and they had like the red sky and then someone flew a drone through the this the buildings and filmed it and so it was like this really stabilized smooth footage of driving of flying through these buildings with the orange wow. sky and then they played the Blade Runner music oh wow cool and it was like it's that is quite cool it looks awesome but it's like oh man that is fucking horrifying like luckily I haven't got the orange skies where we are but we have just gotten just the, the sky is just gray and kind of smoky and and like the air smells like burnt it sucks because they're, they're wildfires you think like it's just a burnt forest it should just smell like a campfire But I guess, you know, when you have these wildfires, they don't smell like campfires. They smell like burnt plastic or, you know, like it's just not pleasant. Yeah, anything else that they like gobble up on their way. Yes. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty scary. Well, I hope they're not too close to you. They're not, but uh, I, what I even say, I'm just saying this because I, I feel like I'm congested. Like, I can hear it in my voice where it's, it sounds like I have a cold. And I, like, I woke up, I didn't realize I was gonna, that, that was going to be the case. Anyway, this has nothing to do. Hey, listen, this is the I Am Bolin show. This is not the Andy is congested show. <laughs> maybe I should eat some spicy chicken like the other Andy, and maybe that'll sort of, like, clear out my yeah, sinuses. I think that's going to sort everything right out. You, <laughs> yeah, this a bit of spicy chicken it's nothing it can't solve yeah <laughs> so what do people need to know then what's coming up for i am Bolin? Yeah. well um i mean you know fo- follow me on the social media if you'd like um and at i am berlin on instagram and twitter i mean Instagram's definitely the one i'm the most active on and uh yeah i've got some if if anyone's listening in the uk i've got some shows coming up in september and then i have a track a few tracks coming up oh actually one of the collaborations we were talking about earlier i'm uh, featuring on a song for lao uh, for her album that comes out at, in the end of july so yeah, lots of lots of stuff going on. And you did a you did a chorus cover which I actually enjoyed. I'll probably play it at the top of the show. The uh, Breathless song which I dug. 
Oh, yeah, I love that song. At the Millennium, they, they built this Millennium Dome in the UK, which is now the O2 Music Arena. And um, my uncle, like, so crazily and sweetly, took a, like, se- seven or eight-year-old me there. I don't know whether it was actually on the Millennium or it was like, it must have been, I think. Anyway, the cores were performing and I just fell wildly in love with all of them. And it was the first live performance I'd ever seen. So I just always have really, I just always have really loved them ever since. I actually don't think that they played Breathless because I think that that came out after the year 2000. Hmm. But yeah, I just have such happy memories of of them because of that. I I, I don't often play covers on the show, but I like when people, when there's something like transformative about it, or it's like it takes the song into a different genre. Yes, I totally agree. I think rather than just being like an homage, I mean, it definitely is anyway. you, You need to try and make it your own, like do something a bit different with it. Completely agree. So the uh, the O2. When did they rename it? That's a really good question. Yes, it was called the Millennium Dome for a while, I think. And then I don't know. I'd have to. I don't. We'd have to Google it. Um, I don't know when it became the, the O2 Arena instead. Let's ask Chat GPT. The Millennium Dome, a prominent feature of the London skyline, was renamed the O2 on May twenty third. 2005. Oh, there we go. This was after the telecommunications company O2 secured the naming rights for the structure as part of a sponsorship deal. All right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased we got to the bottom of that. Yes. This is the part of the conversation where everyone's like, we're done, right? We're done. <laughs> <laughs> and they have run out of things to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, look, it was uh, it was nice to chat with you. Thank you so, so much um, for having me. It was a real pleasure. And um, yeah, I loved it. Thank you. And uh, and you make cool music. So I've, I, I got a couple of these on my uh, Synthwave playlist. As I say, another me is my favorite i don't know why it's just like that that song i listen to quite a bit no oh, thank you i well i'm i love that song too so i'm pleased you like it and uh, we look forward to more cool songs from i am bolin and and wacky swedish producers and other people and collaborations and things i don't know how to sign off by the way sorry this is a <laughs> I'll, I'll dub in a proper goodbye later <laughs> i'm gonna say goodbye good good goodbye and good night Perfect. Well, listen, you have a lovely London day. Thank you. And and uh, keep being cool. And what? And we'll <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. All right, and that was my chat with I Am Bolin. I hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in next time. Beyond Synth is the best synthwave chat show there is. And if you want to do me a favor, check out the Beyond Synth YouTube page because I've been posting uh, these episodes to YouTube and uh, I've been having fun with making those videos a bit more dynamic and fun to watch than just looking at like a still image of the album art. So now I've edited them so whoever is speaking, you actually see that person on the screen and it like switches pictures back and forth and stuff. And to all my awesome Patreon and PayPal supporters, you can all see your names at the bottom of the screen. There's a big uh, Beyond Synth supporters banner with everybody's names and donations and stuff. So check that out because I had a copyright strike on the episode I did with Marco where we watched Picasso Trigger and I fought it and I won 
But since it got a copyright strike, I think it like took the video out of my video section for people to see. Because you can see there's just this dip where like, you know, like two people watched it, but then like the videos on either side got more views, even though that video has been up for like two weeks. So I think having the copyright strike took the video out of my channel. Anyway, who know who cares? Okay, look, the point is this. Have a lovely week. Thanks for tuning into the show, and tune in next time for another Beyond Synth, the best synth wave chat show there is. Beyond Synth Radio is produced by Andy Last. Check the show notes for more information on the musicians featured on the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by listeners like you. Consider supporting Beyond Synth at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Thanks for listening.